Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, greetings here from sheltered in place. Tom Hartman here in my home in Portland, Oregon. A question, what are America's largest newspapers doing taking money from China to publish propaganda, literally, that looks like news? Chuck Ross is writing about this over at the Daily Caller, the right-wing website, He says, an English-language newspaper controlled by the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda department paid U.S. media companies nearly $2 million for printing and advertising expenses over just the past six months. China Daily is the publication. They paid the Wall Street Journal, the Los Angeles Times, Foreign Policy Magazine, Financial Times, Houston Chronicle, Boston Globe, on and on the list goes. Washington Post. And what gets published are these little uh, inside China things that talk about how wonderful China is and, you know, everything wonderful about China and the Communist Party and and what they're doing. It's called China Watch. And uh, the State Department has designated China Daily and four other Chinese news organizations, news outlets, as foreign missions. In other words, they have to be considered organs of the state, almost like embassies. But our newspapers are taking money from them and uh, not seeing in those newspapers much of a discussion about the fact that China's economy is now larger than ours and uh, their military is growing by leaps and bounds and they are threatening Taiwan. And the whole discussion about the Thucydides trap has kind of vanished, which I really think we should be having a conversation about. You know, that when emerging powers start to eclipse existing old line powers, the risk of war is really, really high. And what kinds of policies should America pursue if we believe that bringing manufacturing back to this country is a good thing? And I think there's an absolute consensus, except among the, the Tom Friedman crowd, you know, the, the, the olive tree and the Lexus, the people who believe that, oh, if you just let, you know, all the manufacturing jobs go to the low-wage countries and let the high-wage countries, you know, just buy all the products, somehow everybody's going to get along, except that the high-wage countries are no longer high-wage countries. Ten years ago, in 2010, was the year that we dropped to the point where fewer than half of Americans are middle class by the standards of the 1960s. We have gutted the American working class through these policies. And we're promoting Chinese propaganda in our newspapers, really? Meanwhile, the healthcare industry 
spends $30 billion a year on marketing, where are they getting that money? Out of your pocket. The Medicare Advantage plans that are being advertised on TV, you can't, you, you can't turn on a TV without seeing an ad for a Medicare Advantage plan. And you sign up for these plans, and if you ever get seriously sick, or you have a doctor or anybody who is out of network, I mean, you're, you're buying private health insurance here. It's called Medicare Advantage because George W. Bush and the Republicans passed that back in 2003, and it was implemented in 2005 as a way of privatizing Social Security. And over a quarter of all people who think they're on Social Security now are actually using these private Medicare Advantage plans where they can screw you. They can change the terms anytime they want. They can kick you out. They can refuse services to you. This is what happened to Mark Pocan's mother. He was telling us about it on the air two weeks ago. Yeah, they just decided they're not gonna pay for a physical therapy anymore. Can you fight it? No, it's a private insurance company. You got the drug companies. You know, there's only two countries in the developed world that allow drug companies to advertise on TV, the U.S. and New Zealand. There is a little bit of a libertarian streak in very progressive New Zealand. But, you know, drug advertising there is under control, at least. Here, it is totally out of control. And for the drug companies, I mean, they spent, uh, what was it, last year they spent $9.6 billion dollars. Now, you give five networks $9 billion, and they're going to treat you very nicely. Why aren't we having a conversation in the United States, in our news, in our opinion pieces? You know, why isn't 60 Minutes doing an investigation of why it is that Americans are literally paying, in some cases, 10, 20, 30 times more than citizens of any other developed country in the world? Why is it that nobody is pointing out on a daily basis that people who are on Medicare have to pay the full, or at least for the Medicare reimbursement, have to pay the full retail price. If a tablet of penicillin, one tablet, sells for a dollar, but if you buy a hundred tablets, it's twenty dollars, and if you buy a million tablets, it becomes five cents a piece. And if you buy 100 million tablets, you can get them for three cents a piece. But Medicare still has to pay the dollar a tablet because that's in the law that George W. Bush and the Republicans pushed through Congress in 2003 when they controlled the House, the Senate, and everything else. That's part of Medicare, the reform that brought us Medicare Advantage also, the whole Medicare Part D thing with the donut hole. So we're going to stick seniors for some of this too. U.S. health spending is the highest in the world. We spent $3.3 trillion, 17.8% of gross domestic product in 2016, the last year that there are numbers available. And you wonder why we're getting screwed? Mitch McConnell and, uh, you know, and the Republicans in the Senate, who are wholly beholden to right-wing billionaires, so wholly beholden, you will not find a single Republican senator who will come out and say, yes, climate change is real, it's caused by burning fossil fuels, and it's a crisis. Not one. Why? Because of money from right-wing fossil fuel billionaires and the fossil fuel industry that has been lying through its teeth to us since the 60s when they knew that they were affecting our atmosphere. 
it's all about the money. Well, it turns out it's not just all about the money. It's also all about the white supremacy. Nicholas Carteron wrote a great piece over at medium.com. He points out the Republican Party was birthed in 1854 as a backlash against the Kansas-Nebraska Act because the people who started the Republican Party did not want slavery to continue extending into the new states in the West. And that party, he says, died on July 2nd, 1964. What happened on July 2nd, 1964? That was the day that Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. And the Republican Party officially said, okay, that's it. We're no longer the party of pluralism. We are now the party of white supremacy. We are going to pick up all those Southern Democrats, those Strom Thurmonds, those Dixiecrats. As Kevin Phillips wrote, in a 1970 piece in the New York Times. He said, from now on, the Republicans are never going to get more than 10 to 20% of the Negro vote, and you don't need any more than that. But Republicans would be short-sighted if they weakened enforcement of the Voting Rights Act. The more Negroes who register as Democrats in the South, the sooner the Negrophobe whites will quit the Democrats and become Republicans. Kevin Phillips, the godfather of the modern Republican Party, although he has since recanted, saying basically, yes, let's encourage black people to become Democrats because that's going to drive the Republicans crazy and it'll drive up activity in the, among the white, basically racist, bigoted Republican base. And that's how we got a president who campaigned on birtherism and building a wall to keep brown people out of the United States in the White House. How does the right sell its message? How coordinated is it? How disparate is it? What are the messages that they're sharing with us? I've mentioned this on the program a number of times. For some weeks, maybe months now, I've been subscribing to a, uh, an online newsletter comes in my email box pretty much every day. It's called The Writing, T-H-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. The website is thewriting.com. And Howard Polskin is the president of The Writing. The Writing, by the way, is also the uh, Twitter handle, as well as Howard's P-O-L-S-K-I-N, Howard P-O-L-S-K-I-N on Twitter. Howard, welcome to the program. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us today. Tell us how The Writing came about. It came about the morning after Trump's election in 2016. I woke up and I thought, how the hell did this happen? I thought I was a smart guy. I read the New York Times, read Time Magazine. I watch the NBC Nightly News. And I just didn't understand it. And I started this journey of discovery going to places like InfoWars, Breitbart, The Daily Caller, places I had never been before to understand what the right was thinking. And I thought, wow, I wish someone would aggregate all these headlines every day so I could be informed and there was nothing there. And I thought, well, it's a tough job and I guess I got to do it. You don't pay for this. This is free, a free newsletter. My accountant doesn't take my calls anymore. (laughs) I get it, I get it. Well, hopefully, uh, I don't know if your advertising's supported or not, but hopefully, uh, you know, you can I wish turn I would, this hopefully into a Hopefully one day, yes, yes. 
Yeah, there you go. Talking with Howard Polskin, he's the president of the writing, T-H-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G.com, which summarizes, you know, what's going on with the right wing every day. Give us an overview of what a person reading the writing might discover about the right wing of American media. What are the top stories from the last day or two or three that popped to mind? Well, last week, the top stories were the election was rigged. I mean, this was just five straight days of this uh, it's almost poison coming out from the right. It was very disturbing. This week, anyone going to the writing would see that is dissipating. And I think, you know, we're entering a new phase on how the right is going to frame this. I think there's going to be more attacks on Biden, definitely more attacks on Fauci. I think what comes through pretty clearly from reading the writing, I don't care at what point in the last three and a half years that I've been following right-wing media, it's that don't tread on me, live free or die. And that really pertains when you think of the masking issue. Don't tell me to wear a mask. You're infringing on my liberty. It's my right to decide that. So this gets baked into a lot of the coverage from the right. And I think those kinds of stories are pretty popular. When I think of right-wing media and the stories and memes and positions and postures that are held there, and, and not even just print media, but you know, in, in my business, in radio and television as well, it seems to me that there are a couple of different factions. And I'd love to get your take on the extent to which these are really all one thing or that they really are all this discrete and the extent to which they may compete with each other or, or have synergy with each other. There is the racist faction, the, you know, the, the, the white supremacy faction that goes back to the founding of the Republic. You know, oh my God, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, a black woman on the ticket, et cetera, et cetera. And we saw them go completely hysterical when America elected a black president in 2008 with uh, Barack Obama. Then there is the, I refer to them as the cokehead faction, the Freedom Caucus kind of guys in Congress. The promotion, you know, when David Koch ran for vice president on the Libertarian ticket in 1980, and said, we need to end all public education, we need to end all taxation, we need to end all government regulatory agencies, the FDA should be shut down, the EPA should be shut down, or the FDA should at least be privatized, that basically, you know, the only government we need is police and army, and that's it. And so you've got that kind of libertarian element that seems to be, you know, what you're talking about here, the don't tread on me, which is, you know, and these right-wing billionaires, you know, the Mercers and the Cokes and whatnot have been funding these organizations like Freedom Works and others for a long, long time. And this is their principal meme is that freedom means that the government doesn't hurt you, it doesn't restrain you, and it also doesn't help you. And then there's just the angry right, the you know, not even necessarily the racist right, but, you know, the, the men who are pissed off at women, the, the white guys who feel that Hispanics coming here are trying to steal their jobs. And it's not even, you know, racial hatred. It's just kind of some sort of visceral fear. And it seems to really be extant in the lower middle class among the white population. Those are at least three that I can easily identify. Are there others that I'm missing? And how do they work together or compete? First of all, that was a beautiful assessment. My hat's off to you. There's also a a kind of a saner thread that goes through right-wing media, and that is smaller government. There's that faction that's out there. And smaller government translates a lot of times into anti-environmentalism and climate change denial, because that means more taxes to fight that. Yes, of course, they're all competing for an audience, but as we've just seen in the election, There's a huge pool of listeners and readers out there. 
half the country are receptive to these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And right now, as we all know, Fox News and its online component, foxnews.com, they're the 8,000-pound gorilla out there. And then there's everyone else. You know, often things are signaled in the right-wing media before they become real. What are you seeing right now that gives you pause? <laughs> Boy, there's a lot. Every morning, it's, 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 it's always an eye-opener, like what scares me. And I think the animosity towards Joe Biden, I think that's pretty scary. And I think it's going to get much worse once the right-wing media drops their election-is-rigged narrative. They're going to focus more on Joe Biden, and they're going to come after Kamala Harris as well. Those seems like pretty yeah. good targets to me. And yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and we saw this with the uh, with the Clinton presidency. We saw it with the Obama presidency. Delegitimize the person. Trump's questioning Obama's citizenship essentially was simply metaphor. You know, he's not really our and, president. And the, and the message of unity has been attacked for the past week. That is just widespread, like that is their their thing. That's BS. Yeah, fascinating. If you don't subscribe to it, uh, I recommend you check it out. It's it's free, it's fascinating. It's a daily wake-up call. It's called The Writing, T-H-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, as in thewriting.com. And you can sign up for it. That's also the Twitter handle, Howard Polskin, the uh, president of the organization. Howard, thanks for dropping by. Good talking. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. Be well. Be safe. This Back at is you. the Tom Hartman Program. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chris in Seattle. Hey, Chris, what's on your mind today? I think it's Democrats who are responsible for this. You don't blame a drug addict for being a drug addict, but you do blame his enablers. You said it earlier. It's turned to infomercial, to entertainment. Rudy Giuliani, you look at that press conference. Got, we need some people who are frothing at the mouth. Why aren't we out there right now yelling and screaming about what they're doing with the Fed? Okay, they get all the coverage. Well, because I am. <laughs> yes, you are. I know, but you're not frothing at the mouth. You know, so our leaders aren't. Our leaders aren't. Yeah. 
Joe Biden should be out there screaming and yelling. How did Donald Trump come to power? He's a reality TV president. We are a reality TV world now. This is what gets, as you said, you know, it used to be about journalism. Now it's about entertainment. And the, cover, right. the news isn't going to cover you if you're being appeasing. Okay, they want somebody who can fight. This is why people falsely believe that the Republicans are better on security than the Democrats, even though the, we're the ones who went out and got uh, uh, bin Laden, and we're the ones who yeah. actually go and won and World get War II. Things. Yes, exactly. But we don't sing our own praises. We don't get out there. You know, you've got yeah. the Republicans who have been screaming, lock her up with no evidence, no proof, nothing for years. Even through this entire presidency, why aren't we out here screaming, you know, our leaders? We, why isn't Nancy Pelosi, when the day after uh, Obama was inaugurated, you had the Republican leadership in force out there screaming and yelling about how they were going to stop this? And, and you know, you, I've heard you say many times that uh, the Republicans are playing chess and the Democrats are playing checkers we're not even playing the same game they're playing issues of nuclear war and we're playing appeasement until we get out there and realize that the world doesn't work the way it used to okay it's not the 1950s and 60s anymore it is about sensationalism and you know sometimes you know that's why clinton was who he was he was one of those few guys when he took on chris wallace even after his presidency you don't see other Leading Democrats doing that. I just, until yeah. we catch on, that man, we've got to, you know, um, we've got to be more Republican than the Republicans. We've got to get out there. Well, there's, a, there's a fine line, Chris, and this is that my whole Wetico rant. You don't want to become the people you're fighting. Um, but I do agree that the, that the Democrats, number one, should use a lot more drama and theater in what they're doing and no more of these Absolutely. damn boring speeches where Chuck Schumer is reading yeah. some monotone crap Thank on the floor you. of the Senate and hoping that it gets covered. And number two, uh, that we need to be managing expectations. The Democrats need to be out there right now saying uh, loudly, Steve Mnuchin just set up the destruction of the economy starting in the yes. first week of January. And by the way, what's going to happen three weeks later? Joe Biden gets sworn in. So Steve Mnuchin yes. just started the process. And it takes a few weeks for these kind of things to work their way through the economy, in some cases, a few months. So if you shut down the Fed on the first of the year, probably the major impact is going to be in April and March or April or May. And so you know, the Democrats need to be pointing that out. Get ready for another Great Depression. Get ready for another major stock market crash because Donald Trump set the table and Steve Mnuchin just, you know, knocked all the China on the floor to mangle a metaphor. But you, you absolutely, absolutely get what I'm saying. And, and, yeah. and I'm with you. Chris, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Well said. Angela in Cumming, Georgia. Hey, Angela, what's on your mind today? Uh, yes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm, I'm, uh, it's been a while, but I just wanted to... I don't want to sound like a negative Nelly, and I don't want to be accused of bashing the Democratic Party or anything, but I, I'm saying this to hopefully have someone here in Georgia listen. I mean, I've lived in Georgia in, in all my life, in the South all my life, and I'm telling you, uh, the way things are going now, Ossoff and Warnock, and, and the, as far as the uh, Senate runoff is concerned, they're going to lose, and they're going to lose big. All of the signs are there. Uh, things are not going as they should be going. To, to what are you basing that from, conclusion on, Angela? I'm sorry, we uh, just have we uh, have about a minute to the break here. 
Okay, very quickly. Uh, number one, the polls are showing it, that it's neck and neck, 48, 48, 49, 49 between Ossoff and Warnock. When living here in the South, it's when you're looking at a Democrat against a Republican, especially if one of the Democrats is African-American, if it's neck and neck, the Democrat, the African-American, they're going to lose. You cannot have it that close and expect that that is the way things are going to, to uh, end up. There is no comfort level in that. If it's that close, they're going to lose, and they're going to lose big. I look at things such as the SSB in Mississippi. I look at things as Jamie Harrison in South Carolina. I look at Doug, was it Doug Jones in Alabama. Mm-hmm. When it's that close, they're going to lose, and they're going to lose big. But also the common people are not sitting and talking about this the way they should be. And the commercials that they're putting on, Ossoff and Warnock are putting on, they're too softball. They're being savage, and they're not fighting back. Oh my. Angela, thank you for the report from Georgia. All the more reason we all need to be using whatever tools we have, social media or whatever else it is, to, to support Warnock and Ossoff. You're listening thank you. to the Tom Angela. Hartman Program. Paul, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I'm thinking about this idea, you know, Tom Steyer or whichever, you know, liberal, so, sort of liberal billionaire buying up conservative talk radio stations like Clear Channel. But the problem is, Tom, there's a, conservative talk radio is a money loser. It's a huge money loser. Both Clear Channel and Cumulus are billions of dollars worth of refinanced bankruptcy debt. And... That's the that's not the, the result is, of their uh, Paul. That's not the result of their business models. That's because both those companies were acquired by venture capital firms or vulture capital firms or you no know, private equity firms. Excuse me. You know where they they basically throw an enormous amount of debt on the company, strip the companies down, and I mean it's just I I worked in a Clear Channel radio station at the time that Mitt Romney's Bain Capital took it over. And we went from 16 or 17 people in the newsroom. This is right here in Portland. From, uh, you know, a whole, I, I don't remember the exact number. It was a whole bunch of people in the newsroom down to one guy. Uh, we went from having, you know, uh, people working on shows to na- just syndicated stuff. Our music DJs got laid off and, and the, the sales department got decimated. I mean, everything got stripped. And the result of that was the beginning of just this massive decline. And, uh, you know, it was the it was the death of Clear Channel. But Mitt Romney put a fortune in his pocket. I mean, they laid a billion dollars of debt on that company, which means that Mitt Romney's company took two hundred million dollars right off the top. And then clear. And then we had to pay back that billion dollars with with advertising sales. Um, That's what screwed those two networks. There are other conservative networks, uh, Salem, for example, which has never been acquired by private equity. That's making money hand over fist right now. Well, but uh, okay. Well, let me let me just put forth what I think I know about it, and that is that Rush Limbaugh, the man who built talk radio, also killed talk radio. And Rush Limbaugh does not have any advertising demographic. Rush Limbaugh doesn't have a listener under the age of sixty, and you know that talk radio demographic is twenty-five to fifty-four, and talk radio goes on advertising. And Rush Limbaugh is only still on because the national advertisers, he gets enough exposure nationally that the national advertisers like Lowe's and Home Depot get enough out of that. You won't hear any local advertising on a Rush Limbaugh. Clear Channel that employs Rush or pays Rush Limbaugh, they require all their stations to carry him, but he kills the local affiliates. He kills them. 
he doesn't get anything for them. That's why the local stations have gone. He doesn't make any money. He gets paid a lot of money, but he kills the local affiliates. You know, that, that may be your, your experience, Paul. I Again, when I worked at KPOJ, KEX, which was the largest station in Portland, the studio was literally right across the hall from mine, and we and our windows looked into each other. We could see each other's. And Limbaugh was on there, and there was a bunch of local programming. And every week we would meet with the general manager, and he would pull up the Arbitron numbers. And Limbaugh was killing it. Limbaugh was pulling three and four and five shares here in Portland. We were pulling one shares. Um, and that's in Portland. I just, I disagree. And I think he's got okay. a lot more young listeners than you think. I, I'll give you that Fox's demographic, their average age is 69. And talk radio does skew old. And my show skews old. I, you know, it's over 40 anyway. But what we're finding is that advertisers are realizing that that audience has actually more money than the younger audience. And that whole 2554 thing, nobody's paying attention to that and hasn't for at least six or, six or seven years. As the boomers have, have uh, gotten essentially wealthier and as young people have gotten poorer. But we're, we're having this kind of inside radio conversation, Paul. I'm, I'm not well, sure what can the I, point let's is. Expand it. Let me expand it then to the idea of, of it's actually meme thinking on the right that has you're talking with your guest about uh, anything that the Democrats do will be called socialism. And uh, and that's this is all mean thinking. I can't. It's unbelievable to me that even people in my family who I, are supposedly educated and have a brain. Uh, my younger brother, who's an engineer, brilliant engineer, it goes to Infowars and he's there's just one conspiracy after another uh, mm-hmm. that I can't believe these two. You know, actually, two of my three brothers have thrown their brains away to completely bizarre right-wing thinking, them and their wives. And I think that perhaps, yeah, the older demographic, number one, it's effective because they transmit that mean thinking to the younger parts of their family. Now, my my younger brother, for instance, I never thought he would be a right-wing whack job, but he married into a Republican family, and it's part of getting along with them. And he gets along yeah. with them fine, and so he, now he believes what they what they believe. It's Peer like, pressure is, is the most powerful influencing force in any society. If you can yeah. control peer pressure, you can tr- you can control everything. And as I but was explain, saying to Megan, talk radio explain. talk radio establishes a relationship with listeners, and those listeners yeah. then carry that information as to their peers, and they become peer pressure points. And that's why I think talk radio is so important. But thank you. Appreciate it. Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Um, Well, it's a great show today. You know, one of my uncles who was doing very well in his retirement because of the New Deal, he's probably working in 50K a year with his Teamsters pension, Social Security, and he's 95. You know, 30 years of very lush, but the only book he probably ever read was None Dare Call It Treason. And I remember the huh. day he brought it over. And I remember the day he brought it over to my mom and dad, and they just kind of rolled their eyes politely. And yeah. uh, Is that back but, in the uh, 50s or the early 60s? Oh, that that was the 70s. But I mean, you oh, know, wow. I mean, but he, he you know, around. he was, yeah, it was still around. And, and, you know, so it's, 
John and, you know, he, he went from uh, a John Berger to he loved Rush Limbaugh. And my mom used to just get so upset. She goes, don't you know that they don't want you to have that big fat pension you get or anything? Oh, I worked my, you know, I drove three million miles for that. And it's like, we know you did. Yeah. You deserve every bit of it. You know, the thing is that somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And I don't like mm-hmm. Biden's cabinet. And uh, Well, we don't know his cabinet we gonna, yet. Well, the ones that they're suspecting of, there's a lot of oil and pharmaceuticals and well, let's there. let's wait. Let's let's give him some time. I mean, the, you know, I fully expect that there's going to be some of that kind of stuff going on, and probably a lot of it. I mean, that's just been the way it's been since 1980. I am so relieved that Donald Trump is not going to be president anymore that I'm willing to put up with a lot for at least a few months, Jeff. (laughs) Let's hold off on the circular firing squad for a little while, okay? Okay, all right, all right. I thought we had the... We could talk now that we had the. I think well, we, we can. I mean, you know, you you said what you said, and I didn't say don't say that. I just said I'm not going to go there. All uh, right. You know, I, I have one more thing. One, why sure. don't I, I would like to see. Uh, I'd like to see AOC and Rokana both uh, primary Chuck and Nancy in 2022 because that the only thing power understands is the demand, and I think that would get their attention. I would support so, both of those efforts. I'm putting it out Chuck there for everybody been. to hear. And spread the word. Chuck Chuck has been breathtakingly ineffectual. I I, I used to be on the press release list from his office. I have uh, complained uh, once on the air, uh, several times in private, to three other United States senators, uh, Democrats, begging them to tell Chuck Schumer that the press releases that he's sending out every day can't be printed. They're formatted in a way that makes them unprintable. And he's taking really simple stuff that Donald Trump would turn into a tweet and making it 12 paragraphs, which nobody ever reads. And why don't you get your damn act together in terms of public relations and messaging? And I keep you know, saying this. And finally, about a month ago, I just put Chuck Schumer on my spam list because I couldn't do anything. You know, I get these press releases and I would have to spend 15 minutes reading it and, and go through and highlight the, the 12 relevant words. And 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 then I couldn't print it. I mean, it was just because uh, I had to print stuff out for this show. It was just it was so sad that these guys are like, you know, living in the 1970s or something. I, you know, it's just mind boggling. Jeff, thank you for the call. I, I would like to see uh, I'd love to see Ro Khanna as the senator from California, although there's others. Barbara Lee, Karen Bass. There's some very, very good candidates. Senate Majority Leader, I'll take anybody. Jules in Whittier, California. Hey, Jules, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Uh, thanks, Tom. Just a couple of points. This uh, Cold War that Republican Democrats, it's guerrilla politics. Uh, Trump thrives on, on uh, misinformation. And truth is the currency of a democracy. The fourth pillar of democracy is the media, like you. And uh, the Pope made an analogy one time. He was talking about a different matter, but he said that Taking a hatchet blow to the, imagine that one of the pillars is a tree, taking a hatchet blow to the roots of democracy. That's what the GOP is doing. Uh, Trump couldn't do it alone. It's the GOP. And then uh, my last, uh, my last uh, point is um, that uh, uh, the recall or the impeachment, they didn't allow um, documents. They didn't allow live living witnesses and, and, and they didn't impeach him. They should have. But my vote counts. You know, I voted against Trump and I don't want to see my vote. And and most of the country doesn't want to see their vote uh, disregarded by the GOP. You know, this is uh, George Orwell party where truth is lies and lies is truth. 
And uh, that's those are the points that I wanted to make this morning. Yeah. Good, good points, Jules. Good points all. And, uh, and, and, and we, you know, I don't want to sully the reputation of George Orwell, who was a great anti-fascist and really saw the future. And his book, 1984, is still, you know, vital reading. And I would say that probably 1984 was the year in the United States when 1984, the novel, really started being put into place by the Reagan administration. And this has been the model. This has been the game plan for the Republican Party ever since. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. JJ in Destin, Florida. Hey, JJ, what's on your mind today? Yes, longtime listener and subscriber. And it seems to me that one of the biggest problems we have is the, uh, the misinformation that's spewed out day and night by Fox News, a very popular station. A friend of mine suggested that possibly a guy like Steyer or maybe Mike Bloomberg could buy the station, and if he didn't want to run it as a progressive-type station, maybe turn it over to a legitimate PBS organization that and write it off. But it seems like if that could be stopped, and I've heard that Murdoch is not really so politically oriented as he is financially oriented, probably wouldn't care if he got the right price. Yeah, well, and, and Murdoch is... An old, old man. I mean, you know, the, the yeah. question isn't so much what does Rupert Murdoch want, it's what does Lachlan Murdoch want. They have pushed out James, the liberal son, and what's left is Lachlan, who is the, uh, he's kind of the Don Jr. son, you know. And, uh, you know, yeah, I know. And time will tell. I mean, we'll see. Uh, we, we'll just see. But, but I think that, uh, I think there's a, an enormous amount of potential here, and we need to be paying attention to it. Uh, JJ, thanks a lot for the call. Brad in Prattville, Alabama. Hey, Brad, what's on your mind today? I've noticed over the last couple of weeks you've been talking about how we needed to spread and get more progressive AM, especially here in you know some of the red states where we have absolutely nothing other than XM, free speech TV, and probably the closest thing to anything slightly progressive would be NPR. Are there any organizations that you know of that are on the ground now that are promoting trying to get some more progressive radio in in red states such as Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi? Sadly, uh, generally speaking, no. The the one, and and in fact, there's been a series of articles. There was one on Daily Kos uh, this morning, actually, dailykos.com, about uh, the state of radio and how across the South, there are a whole bunch of radio stations that are actually owned and operated by colleges. Can't, they, they were originally supposed to be campus stations where people would learn how to do radio or they would program in the public interest or whatever that are carrying Rush Limbaugh and other right-wing commercial uh, programming. 
um, which is pretty weird. Um, uh, there is the Pacifica network, uh, pacifica.org, uh, which runs, uh, Pacifica owns five stations, and then there's uh, probably two or three hundred that are affiliated with Pacifica. We're on quite a few of those stations. I don't know, that, I'm pretty sure we're not on any of them in Alabama. I'm not even sure if there are any in Alabama that are Pacifica affiliates, but I, I'd be surprised if there weren't. But yeah, SiriusXM, uh, which your uh, my call screen thing here says you're listening on SiriusXM, is great. I mean, you know, they, they've maintained this progressive channel, the Progress 127 channel, uh, for years and years. And I know people are buying, you know, the subscriptions to SiriusXM just to get a progressive voice. But there really Definitely. needs to be progressive yeah. radio around the country. Yeah, there you go, Brad. Um, and and I'll tell you, you know, like up in, uh, you know, one of the one of the better progressive stations in the country, KTNF, up in Minneapolis, is, uh, you know, owned by uh, just, uh, you know, a regular guy, you know, who, who uh, I, I don't know if he wants to be uh, named on the air, but, uh, you know, who, uh, it, and it was started by, uh, by Janet Robert, uh, who just did a, a spectacular job, and she's just a regular person, too, and uh, her, her husband's an ex-congressman, and, but they're not, you know, billionaires or anything like that. And they started this little radio station, and it's doing really, really well as a progressive radio station. And and uh, you know, and, and part of it is because the listeners to to uh, KTNF AM 950 uh, will call up sponsors and say, "Hey, I'm supporting you." I mean, there's a real sense of support. Um, we need more of that. We need more entrepreneurs around the country who are willing to uh, pitch in and start a radio station. Same thing here in Portland. Um, it's a low power FM, but because it's in a metro area, pretty much all of Portland can get X-ray FM. Um, and then they got a, they have a repeater now on the other side of the Columbia River in Vancouver, Washington as well. And that, again, was started by a local guy, Jefferson Smith, who had been an activist. He, he started the bus project way back in the day, once ran for city council. Uh, actually, he was a member of the, uh, of the House of Representatives here in, in uh, Oregon for a couple of years. And now he's running this radio station. He does a show just before mine in the morning. You know, I would encourage anybody listening to me right now who has any interest in this topic and what you and I are talking about, Brad, to reach out, you know, to the ownership, to the leadership of KTNF or the, you know, the people there or to X-Ray FM, to Jefferson. I know, you know, he's very public and very visible. He does a show and ask, how can I do this? You know, because these are not wealthy people who started these stations. Um, These are average people who are willing to be entrepreneurs. Now, it's tough being an entrepreneur, starting a small business, which is essentially what these things are. It's just it's it's a it's not it's not for everybody. You got to be willing to do it. But but, you know, there's a lot of people out of work right now. And maybe some of them are willing to pull together some investors and pull together, you know, some resources. And X-Ray FM is a nonprofit here in Portland. KTNF is for profit in Minneapolis. WCPT in Chicago, for profit station. Um, You know, its owner is a little more wealthy, but it's. It's, it's still it's a great station. I did a special for them yesterday, a two-hour labor special that we did. And there are other stations around the country as well. I don't want to start, you know, going through a long list. It'll start sounding like I'm I'm just advertising here, but uh, <laughs> it is possible to do. And this is a time of real crisis for AM radio after Clear Channel has gone, or what used to be Clear Channel has gone bankrupt either two or three times now, and what used to be Cumulus has gone bankrupt at least once. Uh, in both cases, because they got the Mitt Romney types involved, you know, the vulture funds. And so there are radio stations available for sale. There are licenses, low-power FM licenses, where particularly in a city, in a metro area. I, we, the same thing in, in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I mean, we're, we're in the, these small stations all over the country. 
So it's possible. It's something that's doable. But Brad, I don't know of any organization. I, I wrote an open letter to Tom Steyer a year ago begging him, you know, don't run for president, put your money into buying. In fact, at the time, Clear Channel was for sale for $1.2 billion. And that was like 800 radio stations. And probably half yeah. of them had a right winger on them. And I was like, you can just buy this, you know? Well, I mean, we, the, you know, there, there's 1,500 radio stations with right wing hate radio on them, and probably 30 with progressive stuff on it in commercial radio stations in the country. So, anyhow. Well, one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, when I speak to my neighbors, people who are just diehard Republicans, when we sit down and we just talk about the issues, we agree. 80% of the time, and they get these talking sure. points. And, I, you know, I've, I've worked in construction for the last 15 years. My father-in-law, who actually turned me on to your show, is a truck driver. And I will say, I, you know, I was always a hardcore Republican, so I thought, until I started listening to your show. And then I started realizing, you know what, I agree with this guy more than I disagree with him. And it was a, I mean, it just really almost opened up my eyes, coming from someone who used to listen to nothing but right-wing radio and Fox News. And then I start realizing that, hey, half of what they're telling me, if not more, is just completely a fabrication. And I feel like if we can get more progressive voices out there, there'll be so, so many more people that'll realize, you know what, I do want to save Social Security. You know, this is not what I've always believed. I do believe in Medicare and I do believe in this. And we could see a huge shift here in the South. I think you're right, Brad, and all over the country. And I think that this is one of the areas where uh, the Democratic Party and progressive or even just even corporate Democrats, you know, right across the board have really dropped the ball. I, you know, I, I've referred a couple of times in the last month or so to, you know, when uh, a bunch of us with Air America made a pilgrimage to D.C. back in, I think it was 2006, and met with a bunch of members of Congress. And, and we have been begging Democrats and progressive funders and donors, the Bloombergs and the Steyers of the world and, and whatnot, and, and the Democracy Alliance folks for years to fund progressive radio. They did, they helped fund Air America for about three years, and then they said, you guys are on your own. And Air America went bankrupt on a $17 million bankruptcy, which is, you know, like 30 seconds of revenue for, for some of these guys. You know, it's nothing. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And you can also, by the way, you can check out the whole Pacifica network. As I said, we're on Pacifica stations as well, Pacifica.org. Jeff in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? I'm 53 years old, and for most of my life, I've heard this term called a liberal media bias. And mm -hmm. I haven't really witnessed it, and I'm hoping, I'm wondering if you can shine a light on it. It seems like... <laughs> I mean, even the last four years, Trump can make a speech reading off a prompter and not look crazy. And they say, oh, my God, that was presidential. Uh, but then they won't talk about all the lies he tells every other time he gets in front of a microphone. And it seems like most of the media, other than, let's say, Fox, um, tries, trips over themselves to show both sides of things. And I'm just curious, do they say that to delegitimize other media or what, 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 what's your idea on this? Well, there's, there's actually a fairly easily documented history of this, Jeff. Um, before the Republican Party had Frank Luntz, you know, the guy who came up, uh, the, the, the Walton family, for example, paid him a quarter of a million dollars to come up with a new term for the estate tax. And he came up with the death tax. 
um, and um, that helped them, you know, lobby Congress to get the estate tax dropped dramatically. Um, the richest family in America, one of the richest families in the world. Um, but before Frank Luntz, there was Lee Atwater. Lee Atwater was the guy back in the 70s who worked for Nixon, in the 80s worked for Reagan. And Lee Atwater came up with this concept that they should, it was called work the, play the refs. He said, you know, in a football game, um, you know, one of, one of the jobs of the coach is to work the refs. So you're constantly yelling at the referees, hey, you know, that, that wasn't a right call. You didn't do that. Try to, you try to distract them. You try to throw them off their game. You try, to, you try to get them to throw, you know, when they're throwing penalties on the field, to try and do it in a way that will help you and hurt the other team. And make sure that, particularly if the other team does something wrong, that the refs know about it. And so uh, Lee Atwater came up with this idea that the Republican Party needed to start working the refs. And um, a, another uh, Republican operative whose name is, escapes me at the moment, um, but it'll probably come to me. He once walked up to me with a microphone, stuck it in my face and, and said something outrageous. Um, but uh, he started this organization that was uh, to out bi liberal bias in the media. So whenever there was any little tiny, tiny story that, that suggested that Republicans weren't doing things well or that or the Democrats are doing really great stuff, it would be it would become one of his headlines and he would and he would get Republican politicians to complain about this on the floor of the House on the floor of the Senate. They'd go on TV and complain about each one of these little incidents. And over a period of a few years and this started in the late 70s, but it really picked up steam by 84. Um, they had established in the mind of America that there was this that the media had a left tint a tilt. And then uh, when Rush Limbaugh started his show in uh, 88, I believe it was, 87 or 88, it was in 87 when uh, Reagan blew up the, the Fairness Doctrine and Rush Limbaugh started his show a year later. And this became a central tenet of Limbaugh's show. He became the big evangelist for Lee Atwater's pitch and is to this day, actually. You know, he calls it the drive-by media mm -hmm. now. Um, but he's, it's gone through several incarnations. But it was always a mythology and, uh, you know, and tragically a mythology that Americans have bought into. The fact of the matter is that most of the media in the United States is controlled by very large corporations. Most of those very large corporations, to the extent that they are political, are mm -hmm. relatively conservative. Um, uh, the, the family that owns Comcast, for example, that owns NBC and MSNBC, is one of the most right wing in the country. Um, the, the, you've, you've got you know, two major, now three major, if you include Salem, three major radio networks owned and controlled by conservatives that are you know, running hundreds. I mean, there's 1,500 right-wing uh, radio stations in the country. There's hundreds of right-wing local hosts. I mean, there, there may be 50 local progressive hosts in the country. If that, right. there's hundreds of yeah. these right-wing hosts. I mean, I go to the conventions. I'm the only liberal. Every year I go to the talkers convention. I've been doing this for 16 years now. Every year I go to the talkers convention in New York City, um, you know, where all the talk show hosts get together. There's typically three, four, five hundred people there. And every year it's me and Joe Madison and, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe Randy Rhodes will show up or, or Leslie Marshall. There's a couple of other progressives who might show up. Um, and, and I'm always the one on the panel who, you know, be six right wing hosts and me, you know, doing a, a, a knockdown drag out a demonstration of how to do talk radio for everybody else. And uh, you know, the liberal media in this country is what you're listening to right now, Jeff. You're listening to the, yeah. to the Progress Channel and Sirius XM. And I, it's literally the only way that in any red state in this country that I know of, 
Um, we do have an affiliate in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, so Ohio's a red state. But in most of the red states, there are no progressive outlets. And the only way that you can get progressive talk radio is, is by having a serious satellite receiver or, you know, now they've got online accounts where you can get it on your on your uh, yep. free uh, speech iPhone TV on Roku or something. Yeah. But thank you. For yeah. There, and the free speech TV simulcast. It, but that's but that's television, not radio. But but I mean, you know, right. the, the the liberal media in the in the United States is uh, is uh, you know, a pretty small slice. I mean, people say to me, hey, you're the number one uh, progressive talk show host in America. And I'm like, yeah, it's like being the biggest frog in the smallest pond. (laughs) So, but yeah, that's, that's how it came about, Jeff. And, and, uh, you know, I am hopeful that as time goes on, um, progressive media is starting to get a toehold. People are starting to learn about free speech TV. They're starting to learn about the uh, the Progress Channel 127 on Sirius XM, which is just one of the very best yep. places. They've got some great hosts. Um, uh, you know, uh, Stephanie Miller precedes me. Dino Madal in the afternoon is great. My- Michael Angelos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just they, they, they've just got some great hosts. Some of the Pacifica stations, some, some really great people. Sonali out of KPFK. Um, and we're on KPFK, you know, we're on a bunch of, of these stations, the nonprofit stations. But um, it's all on the margins. You know, the, the main media in the United mm-hmm. States, 1,500 radio stations, uh, almost 300 television stations owned by Sinclair or owned by Fox. Um, and Fox actually uh, fired some reporters down in Florida for reporting that a bovine growth hormone might cause cancer. And they sued, and Fox took it to the to court, and the court said, you may legally instruct your news reporters to lie to the people. That's your free wow. speech right as a corporation. You, you can find that case. It's the Fox RGBH suit. Uh, you can look it up. It's easy to Google. But, you know, All right, thanks, liberal Tom. media in America? No, not so much. Jeff, thanks a lot for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. But slowly but surely, we're growing. We're getting bigger and better and stronger. And please, if you're listening to us right now, support your media. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you and Kevin in Santa Fe. Hey, Kevin, what's on your mind? It's about the saturation and the ultimate market share that Fox, Sinclair, and other right-wing companies take not so much the ratings that we've achieved in the past and i've often heard you delineate how fox news lost money for several years beginning five years like many businesses 100 million dollars a year you lose money in the first couple years have to establish a base yeah, no, I, I agree, and and uh, and and when I was talking to Paul, and I mentioned that you know our ratings were working to catch up with Rush Limbaugh, there were some months where we actually beat Rush Limbaugh, and I know up in Seattle, I, I regularly on a regular basis, I was on a CBS station up there. Um, I used to beat Rush Limbaugh all the time. Um, uh, progressive talk radio can be competitive. Conservative talk radio can make money. Um, the 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 point is not either of those things, though. I think your point is absolutely right, Kevin. I mean, you're listening to KTRC in Santa Fe. I have been on this. This show has been on KTRC for, what, 16 years, 17 years? I mean, that was one of our very first affiliates. And they have been with us through thick and thin. And I, you know, I'm 
I'm uh, happy to record spots for them anytime. It's been a while since anybody's reached out to us, but we do this for all our affiliates. Um, we do everything we can to help us support our commercial and our non-commercial affiliates. I do fundraisers for our nonprofit stations. Um, and, and we need to be growing that. I mean, I, 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 we were, we're on the air in Santa Fe and Albuquerque and have been for years and years, and I'm watching New Mexico go blue. We were on the, on the air up until very recently for years and years in Phoenix and, and, and Tempe. And, you know, we saw that state go blue. I, you know, we're, we're on, the, on the air in Minneapolis and in Chicago, and I think it's helping um, those areas where, you know, the, the places where you find progressive talk radio, I don't think it's there because there's a lot of progressives. I think the, it being there helps. I mean, obviously, Madison, we're on the air in Madison, uh, Wisconsin. Yes, there's a lot of progressives there. But I think that there's a relationship here, and it's one that we need to grow. We need to be growing um, uh, progressive radio stations around the country. But, you know, again, it sounds like I'm just kind of tooting my own horn it's, here. So uh, I, I, think I will stop it's in, at that point. I think it's incredibly important because it's a foundation of why the other side has so much what we call in the program contempt before investigation. They don't have open yeah. minds, and we need to get them just information. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Jerry in Lansing, Michigan. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind today? Our problems, in my mind, started when Reagan eliminated the Fairness Doctrine. That's what, that's what brought us to, to uh, Limbaugh and Fox and CN, MSNBC. We have allowed people to gravitate to places where they only have their personal prejudice reinforced, and they never hear the other side. And I think that that's one of the reasons that our country is so divided. Yeah, I, I don't entirely disagree. Uh, I'm, the, the fairness doctrine was much more limited than most people realize. It didn't say that if you carry three hours of Rush Limbaugh, you have to carry three hours of Tom Harbin. What it said was when a radio or television station offers an editorial opinion, in other words, when the owner or management I used to work at Channel 6 in Lansing, WJIM-TV. This was back when I was 17 years old. I was a floor director there. And, and Did you the know John Gephardt? Did you know no, John Gebhardt? Okay, he uh -huh. worked there too. For oh, really? Years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was a great job. They they even had an in you know a little cafeteria and lunchroom uh, where we had uh, they 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 fed us. You know, it was a really good meal. Um, but in any case. Um, when I was working at WJIM-TV, as the floor director, I would manage the guy who owned the radio station. WJIM was named after Jim, who was the kid of the family who owned the, te or the television station. Excuse me. Um, they started the, and they also had a TV uh, radio station, WJIM radio. And, and he would go on the air and he would say, here's my opinion. He was the owner of the television station, and he would say, here's my opinion. I think that, uh, you know, uh, we shouldn't build this new bridge, uh, you know, the, to connect the Potter Park Zoo to whatever. And, and because he did that, um, uh, he, was, he would then have to be followed by a member of the community saying the opposite. So if he gave two minutes, the community member got two minutes. But it was only the owner of the station. It was only the editorial voice of the station. If he had chosen to put on a program, you know, the Joe Pine show back in that day or something like that, there didn't need to be any balance for that. So, you know, the Fairness Doctrine uh, did two things. Number one, what I just described. And number two, it required that radio and television stations actually produce or not you know, carry 
uh, what was called programming in the public interest, which was interpreted to mean news at the bottom of the hour on radio and news for at least a half hour during prime time on television. And the networks produced that news at great expense, really high quality news, bureaus all over the world, and they all lost money on it because it was the price of their licenses. Um, you know, that they had to have that. So when the Fairness Doctrine went away, that was the major impact. I, I was living in Germany at the time when Reagan uh, nuked the Fairness Doctrine. And I remember driving down the street in the Autobahn listening to this story about how the, you know, the, the, uh, the Fairness Doctrine is gone now and thinking, okay, that's, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be the end of news. And sure enough, within six months, the, the, uh, the news division at CBS, CBS News, was put under the supervision of the vice president for entertainment programming. It had, it had gone from being something that they lost money on, but they provided really good, a public service. They lost money on because that was the cost of keeping their license. It went from that to being something that would produce a profit. And, they, and what happened with the news then was that it went from being, these are the things that real serious journalists and scholars believe every American should know about. It went from that to whatever's going to get the most eyeballs. If it bleeds, it leads. What's the most sensational, weird thing out there? That's what we're going to cover. And that is the kind of mentality that brought us Donald Trump and the Republican primaries. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Speaking the truth, the multinational corporations would really rather you didn't know. Alan Schiller Park, Illinois. Hey, Al, what's up? I wanted to talk a little bit about conservative media and how that gets to so many local hosts as well and what their motivation is. Because, you know, we have various ones here. I just don't necessarily understand why so many of them are going with all the corporate lines, even right now with the election and everything. And Ken Vogel did a great piece for Politico magazine about five years ago, in which he pointed out that the Heritage Foundation is giving $2 million a year to Rush Limbaugh and a $1 million a year to Sean Hannity. I'm guessing that there is a, it, it, we know that the Kochs have funded these uh, state networks in every state, and I'm guessing that they're supporting the local right-wing talk show hosts. I have no proof of that but it, it would be consistent with what they're doing at the national level with the big national talkers. So they know which side the bread is buttered on, you know, these, these billionaires. <laughs> it ain't the side that has democracy on it. Hey, thanks so much to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick Hoyt, Geraldine Halbert, Dave Fulton, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, and Jabbermocky for helping keep our program on the air. And thank you to you for sharing the good word, telling your friends about us, and for, for listening and calling in. Get out there, get active, tag. You've been your listening. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.